Well, good morning, Mount Clear Church of Christ. How are you going? It is so good to be with you again. Uh, with us this morning is my daughter, Faith. Faith, how are you yeah, going? Good, how are you? And um, she doesn't speak like that at home. Anyway, the reason that we got her again was because last week's message was, was brilliant. It was sensational. Uh, and the response has been wonderful. And so we spoke to her, Melanie spoke to her during the week to see if she had something God was stirring in her heart. And she did, and so we've invited her back. Before we jump to that, uh, we want to continue to say to everyone, thank you for continuing to be Jesus' hands and feet extended in this season. Thank you for all those that have phoned people. Thank you for those that have dropped off care packs. Thank you for those that have actually just gone out of your way to love. And my challenge to you, church, is if you've been a recipient of a phone call, if you've been a recipient of a text message, if you've been a recipient of a care pack, something that's actually said, wow, people are thinking of me, my challenge to you is now give it back, pay it forward. If you've not texted someone back, text them back. If you've not called them, call them back. If you've not given something away, find something within your, your own pantry. Call up Sally, call up Mel, call up one of us and then we'll pass that on to the next recipients of the care packs. But put yourself in a position to be Jesus. Amen? Yeah, come on. Cool. We're going to throw it over to faith and wherever we go, um, maybe you want to open in prayer. Would love to. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are here, that you are in every household inside of every single person. And God, we just open up our hearts to you this morning. We just pray that you would have your way, that um, our hearts would be open and ready to receive and that we would just um, continue to draw closer to you and be faithful um, followers of Christ. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Amen. Um, thanks for having me guys it's so good to be back I've received a few personal messages from you guys and it's just really um, touched my heart but I'm excited to bring the word again feels like I'm home already which is awesome but I guess the question I have for all of us is this morning is what do you think of when imagining idol worship Perhaps you have a mental picture of a big gold statue and then people bowing down before it. Maybe it's more of like a new age type idea with yoga and meditation. Or maybe it's something you see when you're walking down a hallway in your house. You know, if you're a Christian, the simple explanation for idol worship is anything you elevate above God or give to God's rightful place in your life. So that, that could be anything, really. And oh, I love it. Just for an easy type breakfast meal, we're going to talk about idol worship. <laughs> um, like th things like work can become an idol in our life. Things like sport can become idols in our lives. Finances, relationships, our own children. Mm. They can become idols in our lives because all of those things have a tendency to grip us and steer our attention away from God. That'll be right, yeah, won't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Go for it. Keep going. Um, so Romans 1.23 gives us this insight when it says, And instead of worshipping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols. So again, idols are the things that distract us from the glorious ever-living God. They are the things that capture our affection and attention and passion away from Him. And you know, God speaks to Ezekiel and says, Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to them? their requests. 
And an idol is something you love in your heart and makes you fall into sin. And in Ezekiel, the things that God identified as idols is A, set up in their hearts and B, made them fall into sin. If I've set something up in my heart, it's because it matters to me. I hold it dear. Like I don't set things up in my heart that I don't like or I disagree with, you know, or things that make me cringe, but it's things that I really hold dear. So this morning, church, what is set in your heart? Maybe it's things that you love, things that you dream about, things that you hold sacred, things that matter to you. And so um, now not all of those things are bad, yeah? Like after all, you most likely put things in your heart like your relationship with God, your um, relationship with your friends, your family, um, dreams and purposes that you have in your life. But it's the next part of the definition that really helps identifies idols in your life. Yeah. And so the idols that, are, sorry, idols are set in your heart can lead you into sin. And that's when the danger comes when you seek those things more than your heart for God. And that is when we fall into that sin, and that's when become that. That's when it becomes that idol. That's actually that's a really good thought because we're we're actually as a church are doing in our friendship group we're doing a a curriculum called Irresistible by Andy Stanley, and he's he's beginning by talking about the old covenant and the new covenant, etc. But the fact that the temple that the Israelites built was never God's intention; it Mm. was it was David's heart, and then followed through by Solomon and. When they built the temple, the one thing that, that the, the Israelite temple didn't have, that every other temple of every other nation, of every other faith actually had within it, and that was an idol. Yeah. So it had lampstands and the candlesticks and it had the altar, it had all those beautiful things that were needed, but God didn't allow them actually to put an idol in the temple because he knew they would end up worshipping it. It's yeah, like wow. he knew how fallen... Um, and I guess how depraved, how weak we can be as humans, that we can actually grab something and put it in front of God. Yeah, totally. That's just, just brilliant, brilliant yeah. timing. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's so good. And like, guys, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to happen. I don't want there to be an idol in my life. I want God's grace. I want to fix yeah, my on. eyes on the thoughts of Jesus and his word and let the Bible be the thing that changes my life. I want to tear down every altar, every idol yeah. that I've erected that isn't for God and lay it to waste. Um, and I want my heart to be only on God. Yeah, preach it. And something that God has been talking to me a lot in putting this sermon together is God's concern for peep for his people who have made self-sufficiency an idol. According to dictionary.com, self-sufficiency can be described in two ways. First, self-sufficiency is being able to supply one's own needs without external assistance. Or it could also mean having extreme confidence in one's own resources. So as you can tell, this could look differently for different people. It could be someone who lives on a large farm and grows all of their own food. But it could also be someone who lives in the suburbs and does their best to prepare for the absolute worst which leaves them feeling confident that they've done all they can to survive no matter what might happen. Now, don't get me wrong, being competent and independent, it's great. I like to think that I am those things. But when it becomes a thing that we completely, keyword being completely, rely on and we build our foundation on our own capabilities and not on God, who is the true saviour, then we literally build our foundation on sand. And, you know, then the storm or the pandemic comes and suddenly our foundation is shaken and where fear comes upon us and the ground is shaken, suddenly we're on sinking sand. 
because we, our, founda- our foundation wasn't actually built on the rock. And we realise that our idols haven't actually delivered. We find ourselves in the midst of this storm and it's completely destroyed us. We sink in this sand and we fall in a heap and, you know, maybe we have a nervous breakdown or we freak out and we become confused because we're not quite sure how yeah. we got here. You know, how did, how did we end up in this place? And we start looking around us for help. Yeah, it's a really... They, I'm just actually, I'm just thinking out loud as you're talking, you know, or thinking inwardly now, talking, now I'm thinking out loud. Um, I'm just thinking even during the pandemic, the people that we're involved with, you know, there, there have been so many that in this season have been rattled because, I mean, we're all created for relationship. We're created for connection. We're created to love on one another. And when we miss that, there's something that's missing mm. that actually makes us who we are. Yeah. But there have been so many in the lacking of that contact have actually felt a little bit lost, almost like a boat adrift on a sea, forgetting that he's our rock, he's our foundation. You know, the Lord God, Jesus, he's the one that keeps us, that comforts us yeah, totally. yeah, with yeah. all kinds of comforts in all kinds of troubles. Yeah. You know, because obviously somewhere we've placed too much emphasis on something else, yeah. be it the, yeah. the Sunday gathering, you know, or the, the coffee with friends, whatever it might be, we've placed too much emphasis and we're taking, I guess we're, we're, we've taken our eyes off the fries. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, like maybe in this pandemic, we, you've lost a job or relationships, finance, mm. security, and all of a sudden we've lost these things and we get so consumed with worry because all of a sudden we have realised that our faith has been built on the assurance of our own capabilities rather than trusting in what God can do. You know, maybe this pandemic, before this pandemic, you really did believe that God was your one true idol. You thought that he was the one that um, you ran to. And now all these things have been taken away from us, taken from you and I, and we have found ourselves in sinking sand. And I wonder, is that because maybe there is a certain idol in our life that maybe we didn't realize we had? Mm. You know, everything that is not God is a foundation of sand. Only God is the foundation who is a rock. Yeah, come on. Um, I reckon, I reckon there are people at home that are watching, you know, part of our church or part of our, our, our world, and you're thinking, that, I know people like that. I actually know people like that. You know what? It's not just people like that. It's us too. Yeah. You know, because the truth is that for many of us, that is us. You know, we're, we're good at our job, so we, we keep working. We're working longer hours mm. just so that we can get the work done. Yeah. Um, and we take more and more responsibility on ourselves, not asking for, for any help. And what we're actually doing is we're make, we are actually making things work in our own strength. And so what we've done, what you and I have done without even knowing, is we've actually become our own little gods in our own little world. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, massively. And I think, you know, I used to laugh at stories in the Bible and laugh at the Israelites. I would, you know, read that time when God had just saved the Israelites in Exodus 32 and Moses had been on Mount Sinai for around 40 days receiving direction from God for his covenant people. And meanwhile, these covenant people are waiting at the bottom of the mountain for Moses to return and they became impatient and fearful and so they persuade, persuaded Aaron to build a golden calf <laughs> you know for them to worship yeah. and Joshua Joshua, who was with um, Moses thought that the camp must have been under attack but Moses knew better he was like he says in, um, Mo, in, sorry, in Exodus 32 18 it's not the sound of victory it's not the sound of defeat it's the sound of singing that I hear 
When what they were hearing was the Israelites singing worship to an idol that could do nothing for them and forgetting that God had just brought them out of of Egypt with powerful acts of deliverance. You know, and it's scary to think that people so quickly could forget what God had just saved them from. Why would you worship a calf? If you're going to make an idol, you're going to make it like an eagle or a lion. Why a calf? Anyway, let's not... I digress. Yes, but you know, <laughs> who knows? Like God literally just saved them. He brings them out of age, um, out of slavery. God gives them everything that they need. And Moses had gone to be the Lord for forty days, and they begin to worry. They begin to get scared. Um, you know, and part of me just really doesn't understand that because God literally just saved them. He fought for them, and yet these people turn their hearts away from the Lord. And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, I felt God's anguish as he said to me, people have forgotten me and their hearts are far from me. And I was reminded of that passage in Mark 7 where it says, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So where are your hearts this morning, church family? Are they far from God? Have we gotten so caught up in the storm, in the fear? Have we gotten so caught up in this pandemic that we have forgotten who our real saviour is? Because the real saviour, it isn't toilet paper. It's, it's not a person. It's not money. It's the Lord and only him. Only him. And, you know, Isaiah 43, 11 says, I am the Lord and besides me there is no savior. Come on. You know, God saved the Israelites. He saved us. He saved you and yeah. me. And God is saying, why are you worrying? Why are you concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow? He's like, don't you know that I knew the plans that I made for you, knowing about this current pandemic, that I know exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and my plans stay the same? God is saying, don't you know that I know what you need? You know, I'm reminded of that passage in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. It's, is it not life more than food or in the body more than clothing? Look at the bird of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Yeah. Are, you, are they not more of value than you? Absolutely. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... And will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day of its own trouble. You know, God tells us this story over and over again, constantly in different passages of the Bible to not worry. And, you know, in my time with the Lord, I've asked myself these two questions that I want to quickly unpack with us this morning and hopefully paint this big picture of this sermon that I'm trying to bring to to us all, to myself. And so these two questions that I ask myself are, one, what happens if I worry? And then question number two, how do I overcome worry? Now, question number one um, is tied to the first part of my message about idol worship. So if you're writing notes, we are officially in part two of my sermon. So... 
Um, question number one was, what happens if I worry? And let me firstly say this part of the question, and technically what I'm about to say is the answer to the question, but it's leading to the bigger answer that I'm wanting to give you. But what I believe happens when we worry is that it pulls us from the future and it brings it into today. But the thing is, there's not actually any grace for that thing as it's actually not real because that worry is not for that day. Worry exaggerates everything. It's like in this pandemic where for some reason we worried that we might actually run dry of toilet paper. Like we freak out and we're like, what if we've got, no I don't even know the logic behind it to be honest, but it's like, we're not gonna have toilet paper. So we worry about that and we exaggerate the whole scenario. We go to the shops and buy two years worth of toilet paper. And now people today are actually going to the shops asking for a refund on that toilet paper for that thing that they never actually needed. And so all this, all this toilet paper they had for something that they never really needed. And it's our worries that exaggerate something that could potentially happen and we get caught up in this plague of worry and we start getting consumed in this plague and prepare for something that is potentially not even real and we get consumed with worries of the future when God clearly clearly says at the end of chapter 6 therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own I, I, I actually just wonder how many of our own people went out and um, you know bought extra toilet paper let us know in the comments but I believe this is one of the reasons why I think God says in verse 34 you know and the and this is leading up to the answer that I'm wanting to give but when we start to worry about future problems and we get caught up in the plague of worry and start to act in accordance of that worry yeah. and prepare for something that could happen we actually remove God from being our savior and start doing the saving and start doing things in our own strength yeah. and that is when self-sufficiency self actually becomes an idol because we start becoming Lord of our own life rather than trusting God to be Lord of our very own situation yeah that's great you know um like how often do we actually become Lord of our own life and you know question number two was how do I overcome worry um this question I've battled with with God because it is so hard not to worry like so hard in to not worry about the future when there's so many unknowns like and don't get me wrong I found myself in that own place particularly in this current pandemic that we are in but reading that passage of scripture I think God is really trying to comfort us and bring peace to our hearts and yeah, minds yeah. and I think he understands the battle he understands the battle of worry but I also think God gives us the key to overcome worry so that we so it, that it doesn't become this plague that we get caught up in and self-sufficiency then becomes our idol and so Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, pray every day in petition before the Lord. Come on. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Come on. So in this passage of scripture, God actually gives us the key. First, do not worry about anything, but in every situation, pray every day in petition before the Lord. So whenever worry comes, we're meant to pray every day. Like actually
actually every day we are called to pray about that thing that continues to worry us. And not just every day, but he says to pray for it in petition, repeatedly, continuously. He yeah, wants us to pray until that <laughs> thing doesn't worry anymore. Yeah, we're, we're, we're actually in an age where I, I think a lot of the church is, is probably... Uh, more prayerless now than what they have been in the past because there are so many things that can comfort us there are so many things that without us even knowing become idols because they step between our relationship with father god you know and and it could be the comfort we receive from eating from drinking from friends from food from netflix and stan and amazon and disney etc but there's just so much stuff that can comfort us that can bring us peace that is really it's it's not real peace because it only lasts for a moment and then we're worrying again yeah totally and you know there's this um thing that i heard i think it's shakers and it's called push pray until something happens like we need to saturate ourselves in prayer when worry comes otherwise we're saturating ourselves in something that doesn't bring peace yeah when you worry peace does not come and, you know, the second key in that passage said, um, well, the second key that we get from reading the passage is, with thanksgiving, present your requests before mm. the Lord. God invites us to tell him everything, every detail God wants to hear, every worry, every scenario that makes you worry. God wants us to bring it before him in thanksgiving. And when we do those two things, Scripture tells us God will bring peace that transcends all understanding and will guide your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Like, come on, what a word. (laughs) Um, Peace and worry do not come together. They don't come in pairs. They're completely separate from one another. And when we do the advice that God gives us as we read Philippians, we receive peace and the worry fades away in the day. I think where the struggle is for people and where the struggle is for all of us is the peace that he offers us. I mean, it's Jesus. Jesus is peace, yeah. But the peace that he offers us goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond our logic. In other words, it makes no sense Mm. for us to actually be peaceful in this situation. But like the keys that Faith's been sharing, when we follow those keys, when we listen to God's word, God's word never fails. When we listen to his word, when we follow those keys, we receive a peace in the situations that anybody and everybody else outside of Christianity would be struggling with. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. And I think I heard um, a friend of mine give this analogy um, a few weeks back sorry a few weeks back and he was saying if you imagine like a like a circle that you're holding in your hand and everything in that circle is all the human obtained knowledge a human can receive now i'm i might think i've got a dot like if there's all the worldly knowledge that you could possibly obtain i just know a bit of it maybe you think you know half or a quarter like who knows but we just know a bit of the full picture of what a human can know yeah but then god knows all of that plus everything else that he knows that we could never understand so when he says lean on him and not on your own understanding he has all the understanding and all the bits of the puzzle to really see the big picture that we could possibly (laughs) not even know or imagine or dream about and that actually helps me to have peace in god and not to worry because i'm worrying about bits of the puzzle that i can't even 
like I've only got a few of those pieces yeah. or I've got all the pieces but yeah. they're all like jumbled up and it's gonna take time like it actually makes it so much easier to trust God when we really understand and realize that God knows all things yeah. you know um, and totally I think we can totally get caught up in the plague of worry but the key is to pray about it every day I think we just pray for something once and we're like it's not happened. Okay, so I'm just going to do it in my own strength now. It's yeah. like, God's pray about it every day and I will give you everything you need to be able to feel at peace. Yeah. He will guard us in our hearts and minds. Like, oh, he's just so good. I, I think I'm going to jump in there because I think one of those things, to be able to pray to God in those times, one of, the, one of our prayers needs to be that he would reveal to us what those idols are or how that things have become idols because there are so many things that the enemy is there to kill yeah, and destroy and steal and rob us of our faith. So what he wants to do is to get us to worry about everything else yeah, so yeah. that our focus has been removed from Father God. You know, and, and some of you might be saying, you know, I, I don't have any idols. I don't have any stresses. I don't have any worries. Well, you know, I'm just going to push back a little because if we're going to be totally open, honest and transparent, I think we all do. And it can be as simple as this, you know, God wants us to be a a generous people. But I know people, you know people that struggle in generosity. They struggle to to give financially to others, yeah, particularly if it leaves them without. Now, why is that the case? It's because they've begun to worry. They've, in that transaction, yeah, in that second of thinking, mm. they realize if I do this, if I give to that person, if I give to the church, whatever it might be, if I give away this money, I've got less for myself. And if I've got less for myself, I might not be able to do these things. So instead of trusting God for something, they're trusting the money that they have, yeah? Yeah. That, that giving, that concept doesn't just work for finances, it works for our talents. If you've got a gift and someone needs your help and you're not willing to give it, I, I just want to suggest yeah. you know, that maybe, maybe that's become an idol. You know, I spoke to a friend just earlier today before we did all of this filming and he was saying that he's actually found in life that when he gives generously of the talents that he has, yeah, he finds that not only is he blessed back with things that people do for him, but he's blessed back financially mm. because he's given of himself. He's, he's not worried about finances. He's not worried about the time he no longer has because he's given away a part of his life. He's not worried about the fact that he's given away part of who he is, his talent for free. What he's actually done is he's stepped out in yeah, faith, yeah, not made his talent an idol, used it for God, and God has blessed him. Yeah, totally. So many of us have these worries because we've made an idol of the things that we have and we no longer trust God. Yeah, and if I can be so bold the moment you worry there is something that is holding there's something wrong don't worry and we say this in love right like i'm this is a message and and like a sermon that i'm preaching to myself every day that i've constantly got to remind myself and take a step back and be in his presence and pray until something happens and he gives me the peace that i need for that thing and I, i i wish i knew and i think all of us are on a journey to work out why we default to worry. You know, yesterday at home with Mel, we turned our ducted heating on, you know, because it's easy and we've got it zoned, so it's the bedrooms or the main part of the house or, or both. And Mel goes, the second part of the house is freezing. My first thought isn't like, well, let's work out what's wrong. My first thought is, oh my goodness, how much is this going to cost? Last time this happened, I had to ring them, they couldn't come for a week. Like, I went into this little moment of stress for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
when we'd finally worked out that everything was okay, the damage had been done. You know, I'd upset Mal because I, I was getting anxious. And when I get anxious, I become Italian. When I'm Italian, I raise my voice. You know, we need to, we need to be aware of the times that the things in our life have become an idol. And an idol is simply something that steps in the place of God. And at that moment, when we realise something might have been wrong with our central heating, what we should have done is said, hold on, let's just quickly pray. Yeah. Let's see yeah. if God gives us some insight. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think we find ourselves more like the Israelites than we would ever care to admit where we forget that Jesus is our saviour. Come on. Like, we remember that one moment where we came into salvation with God, but we all find ourselves that we forget that he is our real saviour. And so, you know, this morning, church, family, have you forgotten that he is your saviour? Have you forgotten that he gives you everything that you need? Is Lord actually Lord over your life? Or have you become Lord over your own life in different spaces of your life? Because I think that um, that we can either be Lord of our own life in every situation and sometimes it's re- it's actually quite easy to trust God in certain aspects and he remains Lord of our life but then there are other things that we find quite sacred that we can tend to go in a place of trusting God and not trusting God because it's something that yeah. really yeah. is you know special to us for me money has never really been Lord over my life I tr- God has so come um come in need when I needed him every single time. Like yeah. money really doesn't rule my life because I so know that God's always given me money when I needed it, no matter how low my bank account might be. But, you know, maybe there is something in us talking today that God's revealing to you that you've, this thing in your life, it's actually becoming Lord um, over your own life and you're forgetting that I am your one true saviour. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is really interesting because this is a difficult topic talking about idols in our life. Because some of the idols in our life are really close to home. Mm. You know, we, we've got kids. I've got five children. But if my children actually become um, so important that I don't have time to spend with the Lord, I don't have time just to sit with him and, and, and ponder and meditate, they, they have become an idol. If I love my wife so much because she's just beautiful, she's an encourager, um, she's, she's, I, I don't know if I can say this on camera, I find her absolutely stunningly sexy. You know, if all of those things, you know, <laughs> if all of those things take me away from God, then she has become an idol. You know, if, if whenever I worry, the first thing I do is turn to food and eat. Instead of actually stopping Mm, and pondering and resting with the Lord, then food has become... There are so many things that we love in life. Yeah, love in life. But when they they become the first go-to and they remove me from even just talking to the Lord, they have become an idol. Yeah. You know, and they're the things that we bring before the Lord in prayer. And in prayer, he deals with it. Yeah. He gives us peace yeah. in those situations. So things start to change and move and shift, yeah. not by our, our own doing, but by his doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's something that we need to do every single day. Like it's a constant yeah. thing that you need to practice where every single time something comes that threatens something that you hold sacred that might be higher than God. We've got to practice going to God. And the more in practice we put going to God first, the less of a thing that actually becomes in our life because we've learned to trust God and run to him first. And so, you know, this morning, church, like, do you need to make God, do you need to make our Lord, Lord over your life? Do you need to pray in petition so that the worry and fear doesn't consume you? 
Do you need to get to a place where you trust God again and not elevate something or someone else above the Lord? That is a constant prayer for me. And so this morning, you know, God is telling us in compassion. Yeah, like I so know this is a a quite um, heavy message. It's been a heavy message for me. But God is telling us in compassion, remember who I am. Remember I am Lord. Remember that I am your saviour. Your idols will be sinking sand soon enough. I am the only thing in your life that is stable, that will be your rock, that will not move you. Worry will come. He knows that. He says worry will come, but don't let it consume you. Because I've got everything under control and I won't be Lord of your life anymore. Your heart will move away from me. And he wants our heart to stay towards, focused on him and only him. You know, he is the answer for everything we need. He is the one true idol. It is a command. (laughs) Like it's the first one. It's the first commandment that we wouldn't have any other idol except for him. And I want him to be Lord over my life in every space, in every situation, because it all comes down to him anyway. Like everything else will fail. Everything else will fall short. But God is the one thing that doesn't fall short. Amen. Amen. That is a good word. Amen. Amen. Faith, thanks for coming to share. Thanks for for putting in the time. Thanks for putting in the effort. Thank you for really exploring and exposing your own heart. Church, you know what? Everything in our faith, regardless of whether you've been a Christian for two minutes or the, the entirety of your whole life, yeah. we can grow in faith, we can grow yeah. in intimacy uh, with our relationship with God, with ever-increasing glory, be transformed into the image of His Son yeah, every moment of every day. Yeah. So when we look at stuff that can be difficult and tough, He's actually shaping us and moulding us more into the image yeah, of His Son. Totally. Amen. Yeah. Faith, why don't you pray, close the day. Have a wonderful day, church. Let's pray together in Jesus' name. Yeah, come on. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you that you are our one true saviour, that you are the person that we can rely on, that you have all the pieces of the puzzle and know exactly what you're doing. And God, I just pray that you would help us to trust you more and more, that we um, would know that we can run to you first, that it would become an instinct, like an, an automatic response, that we would find ourselves running to you and that we would just have you as Lord over our life in every space, in every situation. And God, we just give you glory and honour and pray that you would be with us, that you would speak to us in our times of worry and that you would bring us peace as we come to you in petition. And so thank you again and we pray that you would protect us all. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, church. Thanks for having me, guys. See you later. And What are you doing? Oh my gosh. Can you like screenshot that and like... Actually, it's still recording.